Welcome to the Sicilian Secret Diet Plan Podcast. This podcast is written and presented to you by husband and wife team Dr. Sandra Camerata and Dr. Giovanni Campanile. Sandra is a psychiatrist and was born and raised in Sicily, and Giovanni is a cardiologist. They have written the Sicilian Secret Diet Plan book and podcast in order to introduce a wider audience to the wonderful taste and health benefits of the Sicilian Mediterranean diet, which will lead you onto a path of longevity and improved health span, the reduction of disease in the later part of your life. The goal is to live not only longer, but better with improved vitality and joy of life. Their motto is Be Well Deliciously. We are pleased and delighted to introduce to you today Agapi Stasinopoulos. Agapi is the best-selling author and speaker who inspires audiences around the world. She's the author of Wake Up to the Joy of You, 52 Meditations and Practices for a Calmer, Happier Life and Unbinding Heart, A Dose of Greek Wisdom, generosity, and unconditional love. She was trained in London at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art and received her master's degree in psychology from the University of Santa Monica. She teaches meditation and facilitates workshops for Thrive Global, a company founded by her sister, Ariana Huffington. She has been changing the way we live and work. Her previous books on the Greek archetypes, gods and goddess, in love and conversations with goddesses, were turned into PBS specials. She was born and raised in Athens, Greece, and divides her time between New York and Los Angeles. This will be a uh, fascinating discussion about spiritualism and meditation. Agape, as Sandra had mentioned, is an author of many books and has helped so many people in this area. And she teaches meditation. She's also involved her sister, Ariana Huffington, in Thrive Global, which is uh, an amazing organization. We'll talk about many things during this discussion, including uh, reincarnation and um, how this relates to uh, Indian religious themes in Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism. We'll talk about how her name in Greek means love, and this has been a theme in her life uh, about teaching about love and connection with others. We'll talk about many of her books, including Unbinding the Heart, A Dose of Greek Wisdom, Generosity, and Unconditional Love, Speaking with the Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You. So with no further uh, ado, we should uh, get on to this amazing and fascinating discussion with Agapi. Agapi, thank you very much for being here with us today and giving the gift of your time, your wisdom, your spiritual self and your spiritual journey so we can share with everybody else that is listening to us today. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Giovanni, and thank you, Sandra. And uh, I just have to say that I'm just a big uh, I don't know if say admirer, I want to say more like a lover of your work. Oh, thank you. Thank really, you. Uh, bring such a heart and such wisdom. And, you know, we have similar cultures, of course, the Sicilian and the Greeks, you know, una fata, una razza, right? una <laughs> razza, which for our audience means same face, same race. Same race. So 
I just wished in a way, instead of being in this Zoom, we were somewhere in Sicily breaking bread together and having a glass of wine and talking about, but let's imagine that we are, okay? Well, let's, let's hope that. in the future we really do that. Tomorrow we're going to Sicily. Sometime we'll meet there. Oh my God, that's amazing. You are for how long? We're going for two weeks. We're, we're writing another book. So we're doing research for the book. And we're also doing a film on the new book. So it's it's about the history of Sicily through food. It's called Eat History Sicily. So it's a uh, it's a new way to look at history through food. Oh, my God, Giovanni, that's amazing. And I'm so happy you're doing a film because I think the visuals are so important for people to learn. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you saw Stanley Tucci at CNN going through yeah. Italy. Yeah. And you know, you just want to have that pasta. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll have it. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have pasta together in Sicily someday. We'll love to. Well, next time, maybe in New York City when you come yeah. back. Yes. Absolutely. So, Agapi, tell us, how did you get to write all these wonderful books to speak about spirituality and where and how your journey started and how did you get here? Well, my journey um, started in Greece, uh, in Athens, Greece. And uh, as I write about and I speak about for those people who know my work, uh, I had an extraordinary mother who raised me and my sister Ariana with such values and, uh, and a fundamental trust to life. That was her spirituality. And uh, what was extraordinary was that from a very young age, she instilled to us, of course, in unconditional love and devotion, and but also just a fearlessness and um, a way about living that was very human and very non, what I say, non-hierarchical. You know how, uh, and I talk about all these principles in my third book, Unbinding the Heart, which I think you have uh, with you at the moment. Yes. Uh, and um, I was very drawn to write that book uh, because my mother taught us love in action. You know, it wasn't theory. It was like, how do you teach a child about life, but uh, through living the example. And story upon story, she infused uh, in us uh, that love of life, love of people, generosity, unconditional generosity. And at the age of 12 and uh, teenagers, we were little uh, girls, teenagers, she taught us yoga. So there I am, uh, 12 years old, in my Athens school doing a headstand. I have this picture of uh, me showing off my classmates in the middle of the courtyard doing headstands. And uh, when Maharishi came for Transcendental Meditation, she had us go and meet Maharishi and we were initiated in TM. Uh, so then I moved on and I followed my own spiritual path, which was uh, something that I'll share in a minute. But I think um, two things. One is, I think all of us um, learn from our parents, obviously, as role models. But I also think each soul has its own DNA, it, that each soul comes here to experience or to teach or to learn or to grow and to share. And uh, in my spiritual path, in my spiritual awakening, I realized that I'm a very old, 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 old soul. 
And um, uh, don't ask me why I'm back here. <laughs> I believe in reincarnation. Yeah. Um, obviously. Uh, but I feel when I got in touch in my spiritual journey, in in my DNA of who I was as a child, I was always agape means unconditional love. So I feel my mother gave me that name uh, because she really felt this is what I was to um, learn and to teach. And uh, I feel this unconditionality of human beings very much in my in my heart and in my consciousness that um, the most incredibly powerful gift in life is to learn to love ourselves unconditionally, to forgive ourselves, and to love each other. And there is nothing more fulfilling because love is the greatest portion. Love is the miracle. Love is the medicine. And you know that in your practice as doctors, that human beings need to be loved, cherished, treasured, and they need to know that they matter. Because if you don't feel you are seen and you matter, then you go, you're like this um, buoy on the in the ocean, you know, you go left and right, and you have no direction. If you feel you matter, then everything you do is intentional, because you become aligned with your path and with your purpose. So for me, as a young girl, I always wanted to study uh, theater because I loved uh, acting. So I was able to go to the drama school in London and study at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts to study acting. Uh, just very brief story of my mother when I was in London and uh, I was 17 years old and a Greek girl from Athens going to London to compete with the top uh, you know, English actors. It could have been extremely intimidating. We found a teacher. And I was studying with the teacher and um, the teacher after two weeks came to me and said, you know, my dear girl, you're just such a wonderful, kind, warm, loving girl, but you're not an actress. And I don't really think you should continue. And she called my mother and she said, um, you know, I don't think Agape should waste her time. I don't think she has it in her. I mean, she should study something else. Well, I was devastated, you can imagine. I was heartbroken and I started to cry. And my mother looked at me and she said, oh, she didn't get you. That's not your teacher. We have to find the teacher that gets you. Now, that's just one way. As I'm saying the story, I get the chills. Yeah. Because how many times um, do you go to do something, you go for an interview, and I'm talking now to a lot of people in our audience and our listeners, where you go to do a project and they say, no, we don't want it. And you go, oh, there's something wrong with me. My project is not good. My book is not good. My, um, but this job, uh, I'm not good at. No, these are not your people. <laughs> this is not the people you're supposed to go find who is there for you, who will get you. And that's a very empowering way to live life. Absolutely. You know, we can identify with having mothers that have modeled life for you. In fact, if you look at our book, it's dedicated to the two Marias, our mothers. It's, yes, uh, exactly. Because exactly. our mothers 
we're also the, the center of the family for both our families. And uh, it's such an important uh, motivating and directional kind of factor in your life. And I, I told we we completely understand, you know, you're lucky. You're lucky to have had a mother like yours. You're lucky. The mother that feeds you um, physically, emotionally and spiritually. Yes. You know, I'm sure your mother's always cooked, and but in the in the food, in the dinner table, in the lunch, there was love, there was appreciation. They would just hug you and kiss you and tell you how much they loved you. So yeah. I mean, there's nothing like it, and and it is breaks your heart to know how many uh, children are 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 suffering from um, parents that are not loving, right? Yeah, and, and and loving and love is. You know, I was the direct, uh, I don't know if you know of Dean Ornish. Yes, love him. Dean yes, is a great guy. He's a friend. And I was the director of the Ornish program on the East Coast for Atlantic Health. And, you know, his, you know, and what you're saying translates into physical well-being because the 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 foundations of reversal of heart disease, reversal of, of you know, of health span is, you know, eating well, moving well stressing well and loving loving is having you know a emotional contacts love is such a powerful force and we 100 percent agree with you 100 percent in and and it is shown scientifically now you know exactly. the electromagnetic field of the heart is really huge you know they have pictures to show us and that when uh i mean when you get disrupted with that when you get um angry parents, violent parents, parents who criticize you, it totally affects your health. And and then... In all relationships, not just in your childhood. Right? That so, so, you know, how do we heal? I mean, I, I just asking the question of... Um, I have a quote that I recently posted in my Instagram um, that I just only... A friend just told me, uh, who had gone through a really terrible childhood. And I said to him, Jack, how did you become such a healthy human being? And he said, Agabi, we are not responsible for what happens to us in our childhood, but as adults, we are responsible to heal it. Yes, right. Because a lot of people, you know, Sandra and Giovanni, they go, oh, but my, father's well, my father was an alcoholic and he left my mother and my mother was very unhappy and she struggled and she... Um, was so working all the time and I didn't really see and you know the, you you go into your story and you go yes uh, all that happens and a lot of uh, people we know had very difficult childhood but as an adult you got to come into your um, higher self to your higher power and say I created that in my life but now I can bring it home and bring that child back home to my heart I have a chapter in my book Unbinding the heart, and I write about it in all my books. When I took my inner child um, back to my life, and the way I did that is that I started to do hours of yoga every day, uh, three hours of yoga every day, reading spiritual books. I was twenty-three, living in Los Angeles, uh, had no sense of direction of what's going to happen, but. You see, we might not have a, a sense of direction in the physical world, but our souls and our spirits always know. If we just follow that whisper, if we just follow that silent, quiet voice that says, 
stay in Los Angeles, go to that class, go and find this book. Um, and you and you start to see part of what I now teach. And I say, you're never alone. How can you be alone? Your own breath is your life force. Your 36 trillion cells that are making us are with us. That is power. So if we, the ego and the personality and our stories make us feel that we are alone, but we must heal this incredible separation human beings have from themselves. Well, I, I've noticed, you know, reading about you and researching about your books, um, there's a there's a common theme. And uh, your books, you know, you've written many books and and uh, Awakening the Goddess Within, uh, Wake Up to the Joy of You, Center Yourself, uh, Conversations with the Goddesses, Unbinding the Heart, and then your most recent book, Speaking with Spirit. What I, what I see as a common theme here is that look into yourself, find yourself, love yourself. I don't know if that's something that you... A hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, but... Giovanni, people say to me, how do I love myself? How do I know myself? And that's a process. That's a journey. That's uh, you got to do the inner work. you got to do the inner work. And as you probably know, a lot of times people get the wake-up call when they're sick, when they get a disease, when they get a heart attack, when they go to the doctor and they say, you have A, B, C, D. You need to take care of yourself. And then they start to take care of themselves and they start to know themselves. Have you seen that in your practice? Oh, yeah. And the, and the heart is its a good metaphor for this. The heart pumps and has the coronary arteries. The first thing the heart takes care of is itself through the coronaries. And then it takes care of the rest of the body. Wow. And that's basically what you're saying. You know, take care of yourself and then take care of others around you. But the question is, how do we take care of oneself, right? How do I take care of myself? And that can be done in many different ways. People are reading a million different things. What does it mean, right, to, to take care of one oneself? And who am I, right? And how do you find who am I? Because I want to be that. Because that person is more famous. Because uh, that person is more beautiful. That person is more successful. So that is, is that who am I supposed to be? And how do I can instead come back and find? Exactly. And, 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 you know, it's not like, um, there is, um, a recipe, but all I can tell you is that why I believe so much in the power of prayer is because I feel that for me, when I wrote this last book, Speaking with Spirit, 52 Prayers to Guide, Inspire, and Uplift You, I found that the most incredible awakening for me was to know that wherever I was, like in the pandemic, I was in Los Angeles with my family and I was having a very, very hard time because I'm an extrovert and I, I, I love speaking with people and I loved doing events and, and uh, I, you know, speaking at conferences. I mean, the whole incredible connection that I would have with strangers uh, every time I spoke. Suddenly, everything was gone. We couldn't even go to the supermarket, right? And we were all living in fear. It was just a very 
a horrible time. Some people manage very well. I don't know how you did it. I love to know. Well, we were working, right? We never stopped working because uh, that is what Zoom allowed to 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 change the way we also practiced and continue to practice medicine. Now we do this hybrid thing. We can connect with people even through Zoom. We could reach right. But especially for me, being a psychiatrist, it was it everybody was having a difficult time. So I still worked and I still connected with people. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. You know, uh, and now we got used to Zoom. Who would have thought it? You know, our life has become, you know, who would have thought that everything was just done in this format? But I missed the connection. I missed the human connection. And I have a chapter in the Speaking with Spirit that I really, really love. And it's, it's chapter seven is called Finding the Extraordinary in the Ordinary. And in the beginning of the chapter, I'm going to read it to you, is one of my favorite movies. And in one of my favorite quotes, have you seen the movie Chariots of Fire? No. Uh, would you promise me you're going to watch it? <laughs> we absolutely promise we will watch it. And just rent it on Netflix, Chariots of Fire, it's a true story. The music, I'm sure you heard of it, is the music by Vangelis, the Greek composer. It won the Oscar many years ago. And uh, um, my favorite film quote is from Charge of Fire. The protagonist is Eric Little. He's training to run in the 1924 Olympic Games while preparing for a trip to China to work as a missionary. His sister abnormises him for not following God's will and says to him, Eric, you have to throw away this silly running thing and do this really important work, God's work. Eric looks at her and says, but when I run, I feel his pleasure. And I've always loved that quote because I feel when I ask people, when they say, well, I feel alone or I don't feel God or I don't feel the connection. And I and I say God is whatever God means to each one of us, the universe, the intelligence, the higher the higher intelligence that runs this miraculous body, this miraculous universe. I say to them, Do you have a moment that you feel connected? That you feel that presence, that you feel that joy? And and People always do. When do you feel that joy? When do you feel that connection? And it it can be anything. It can be I feel it when I cook. I feel it when I I I go to sleep at night and I feel the peace. I when I'm in my garden, when I paint, when I run, when I make my coffee in the morning. As somebody said to me, when I sit by my porch with my husband overlooking the lake, and I feel that moment that 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 sweetness, that to me is the spirit. And that spirit is the healer. And that spirit is the one that loves us. So how we get there is by bringing us, the human being, the presence of how we are, whatever we're feeling. If you're feeling feeling tired, sad, alone, disconnected, whatever it is, maybe you are struggling with health or your parents are struggling with their health. Maybe you have a child that is a difficult uh, at school and you, whatever it is, you bring it to the table and you say, this is my experience right now. 
this is what's happening. This is what I'm struggling with. This is my challenge. Please show me the way. And you get quiet and you get centered. And then you allow the spirit to come in and guide you, uplift you, inspire you, direct you. So what you're saying is to deal with fear. And instead of running towards it or running away from it, sit with it for a moment, right? Sit with, with that fear, sit with what's happening right now, and then ask. And then ask. And as she, I wanted to share with you the story, the prayer that I wrote during the pandemic when I was feeling bereft. And I say, dear beloved, and the beloved is the soul in us, dear beloved, one of the greatest joys in my life is feeling your presence. I'm talking to the beloved in me, okay? And I'm saying one of the greatest joys in me is my feeling your presence. As I connect with others by speaking, inviting other people to participate in my heart's expansion. Recently, I have been feeling the absence of my connection with you and feel I am lacking in that magic from which I converge with my spirit. I ask now that I may find new ways to engage, move my body, be present in the miracle of my life and awaken to the aliveness that I have in me. I ask that I may remove the resistance, the limitation, the stubbornness of wanting things to be a certain way. When things don't happen that way, I cave in, I shut down, I blame you, the world, myself, and then fall into doom. Instead, I ask that I may again find this magic in the ordinary, that everything in this world, as hard as it might seem, is still working. And for whatever reason, my ego, my sense of self, move into righteous indignation, and God forbid I might miss the awe that I so seek in the simplest of things. So now Spirit speaks to me. My beloved, the steels are still grow upward, and I'm able to walk on this earth with you through the law of gravity, and even that is a miracle. The earth still moves around the sun in perfect motion, and how amazing is that? There are invisible worlds of millions of stars and planets that are all moving in perfect relation to one another, and they don't seem to collide. The ocean meets the shore in perfect rhythm, even when it's turbulent and stormy. Let me wrap my mind around all of that and know that I too have perfect harmony within me. So be it. That's this, beautiful. This is really beautiful, right? And you can, we can all go back to the moment, the moment of uh, the pandemic, the moment of despair, the moment of hopelessness, the moment of fear. And then you're reminding people, hey, wait a minute, life is still a miracle. Your presence is still a miracle. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Sandra. That is it. That is it. I mean, sometimes, I don't know about you, recently I've been going to sleep and I feel my heart beating. You know, I feel my heart beating. And I have, I must confess, I have apnea, you know, about apnea, right? Yeah. I have um, diagnosed with apnea. I don't know how many of our listeners might have apnea. No people. It's who very know. common. It is common. Yeah. So I, 
I put my machine on and I've learned to love my machine because, you know, I put it's it's the, the dream station machine, you know, that you go under the pillow, the pillow here. So it's not the mask. And I used to hate it <laughs> because I go, who wants to go to sleep with this tube around your head? You know, you, you feel sick. And I had to really love myself, talk about loving yourself to say, thank you for this machine who is helping me pump air. And Michael, every night I pray to my heart so that if you, they say, Giovanni, am I right? That if the, if you don't wear the machine, your heart gets very tired because you stop breathing, correct? Exactly. It's very serious. It's very serious. So, um, you know, it's important to lose weight and to, but there's nothing else you can do other than, um, you know, work with the device or there are exercises to do to get your your tongue strong so that the tongue doesn't collapse to wear a, um, a retainer. And I've learned to really love this machine. And at night when I take it off and I want to go to the bathroom and then I have to put it back, I, I bless it. <laughs> and I go, well, thank you for this. And I, I bless my heart. I And I go, this is a miracle. My heart needs respect and and honoring and taken care of well, also that, your brain because you're getting oxygen in your brain through that and not just to your heart exactly 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 i get the oxygen it's, it's a good example of having gratitude you know we sometimes don't have gratitude for all the little things around us you know that's your that's not a little thing but i mean we we have many many things in our lives that uh you know we 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 don't focus and we don't have gratitude. But if you think about all the little things and you have gratitude, I think that brings a lot more happiness to you. I love that every chapter in your book on your 30-day program, it says, finish the day an hour or two before bedtime, put your shut down your electronics, go through your day and think about three good things that have happened to you and be grateful. I have a journal next to my book that says um, Agape's Prayers. And every night I go... Um, to Agape, this is how you love yourself. Hello, darling. That's me. I call myself darling. <laughs> what what did you love you did today? What didn't work today? What would you like more of tomorrow? And I say, you know, what I didn't like today, if I feel pushed, if I feel like I push myself, do this, do this, oh, run here. And uh, when I rush, I hate it. My girl says to me, I hate running late. Take care of me. Start early because now I'm stressed with the traffic. Then I'm running late and then I, I feel upset. So that's a little thing to love yourself. Then well, what you're doing is you're paying attention to the things that don't work out, although that creates stress. So you ask yourself, okay, exactly. I, I'm stressed because I'm late. What can I do not to put myself back in this situation? It's not the traffic that is causing me the stress. It's the fact that maybe I didn't leave early enough. But maybe I didn't, you know, prepare myself. So you change yourself. Because the two things that really, really help us to, to feel happy and happiness are a sense of agency. The things that we can do to change what we do will create stress for us. And gratitude, things that we can do to intervene in our lives to make the positive changes. And if you ask people uh, in conferences when I, I'm speaking, I ask people, how many people feel overwhelmed about their lives? 
how many people would like more time? Everybody raises their hand. But then I'm going, well, who is running your life? Who is running your life? I mean, of course, we you have we all have, you know, you have bosses, you have jobs, you have children, you have, but can you manage where you do things for you that are your priority, whether it is the 10 minutes meditation, whether it is the, the the shutting off the devices, where it is that I can't take this, I can't take this on. This is too much for me. Do you listen to yourself or where you are not taking not only things on, but you're taking other people's energies? I mean, the biggest thing is, uh, I wrote another chapter in the book, How to Navigate Being an Empath. I'm sure you are an empath, uh, Sandra. You too, Giovanni. I see that in Sandra. She's a psychotherapist. She's a woman. She's a mother. She's, I mean, you you, you, you have that energy of where I don't know uh, how you manage to not take people's suffering on because I had to learn that. You're also Greek, so you're very emotional, like a Sicilian. And I remember, I remember when I was young, we went to Italy frequently, and we would... Uh, and we would go to the Greek theater, and it was all in Greek, and I didn't understand a word of it. But I could understand the feeling of the actors and the actresses. Wow. And it was very emotional, just how they sounded, how they moved, how they... So I think that, wow. um, you know, I think that you can you can convey your feelings in many different ways. Um, absolutely. absolutely. And, you, and I, I think part of it is... Um, for me, it was learning to really uh, know this is not mine. I give it over to the spirit and I go free. This is not, I'm not responsible for this person. So learning boundaries and learning how to navigate the part of me that wanted to fix people, to take care of people. But, but everybody, I don't know if everybody's like that, but that's also something that I think as we learn to love ourselves, is something that we have to teach ourselves. It's it's, it's part of the curriculum. <laughs> yeah. One, one of the chapters in one of your books is called Enough of Not Feeling Enough. I yes. think that's a great way to look at things. Because if you, ha- if you feel like you have enough, and, and all of us could have enough, I think you're, you know, you're, you're, you're being very happy and content, rather than always looking for more. Yes. Well, you know, it's two ways to function. One is um, scarcity, you know, or we operate from scarcity and you never have enough. And the other one is operating from trust. Because when you, uh, I mean, again, uh, my mother, even when she didn't have enough money to pay the rent, she always made us feel that we had enough. She would uh, always invite people for dinner. She'd always share what we had. She never made us feel that we didn't have enough of anything. And that's a big talent, you know, so that you can... I love to see more people walk on this earth feeling abundant. And people say to me, well, how do you feel abundant when you don't have this and you don't have that? And I said, you go back to the one who is breathing you. You go back to your 36 trillion cells that are making you. There is nothing scarcity about that. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, the body, the body doesn't operate in scarcity. The body... So, so, you know, back to your amazing work, going back to the body can become a springboard to the spirit. 
because you know if you look in the mirror i was at my uh ophthalmologist the other day and they do these pictures and they they show you a picture a huge picture of your eye and the nervous system around the eye and the colors and you go who made this eye (laughs) it's amazing how we now are learning you know you know, we look at the microbiome, which is all the all the friendly bugs, the millions and trillions of bugs that are helping us live a better life. You know, so we're part of this major ecosystem. We're part of the earth around us, the bugs inside us, the spirit above us, you know, all these things. Yes, we're yes. all part of one ecosystem. And we now know that. And the more we understand that, I think the better we live. And I think I cannot get caught in my own personal agenda, which we do. So my priority is to say, I'm part of this ecosystem, which you so beautifully said, you know, I'm part of this whole, so my responsibility is to take care of this particle of the ecosystem the best I can. And the best we can, correct? The best we can. And understanding, you know, more. And I wanted to go back to that that feeling that we, we have enough right and and to recognize that and i and i don't want to you know take away from the people that probably do not have enough right and they don't have enough and they have i mean but they, very, very little and not to take away sandra from the humongous problems on our planet right right and we need to pay attention because uh, yes, like you said, we're not responsible necessarily, but but we are. We are some responsible, at, at least responsible of being aware right, that, that there is suffering, that there are people that don't have enough. So you know, for 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 us, you know, with my mother, we were raised with the with the principles of service. That wherever you go in life, you serve life with what you have, with who you are. Uh, there's a friend of mine who is a comedian. Well, you run to him in the street, and the next thing, he's doing an imitation of Trump for you. I mean, he's hilarious. His way of giving is making people laugh. That's, right. you know, if you're a dancer, you you, da- you sing for people, you dance for people. Do what you do. As, and if your gift is of service to others, I used to go to uh, drama schools when my career wasn't happening, and then I decided to go into psychology and write books and do a one-woman show. And I found my own spark and started to create my own creative outlet. I went to drama schools and told people, when people are not hiring you as an actor or as an actress, find ways that you can go to hospitals and go to senior citizens' homes. Go there and give of your talent. Don't wait for Broadway and Hollywood. Maybe they'll hire you, maybe they won't. Maybe you're the most brilliant actor. But go in, go in the parks and recite Shakespeare. Yeah. You yeah. know, give your gift. My life changed when I was, uh, I have another story in the book. It's called St. Joan in the Bus. When I didn't get a Greek part in a Greek series in New York of uh, six ad- adaptations of six hours of plays, and I was devastated. And I said to my mother, I can't even get a Greek part. I was like, I was like, no, no, no. You're so talented, but you don't fit in. My whole life was I don't fit in. And I went into a New York City bus and I started to talk to a nurse 
uh, who was an actress, and she said to me, uh, how are you? And I said, how are you? You know, I'm Greek. I talk to everybody. So I said, <laughs> she said, I'm good. How are you? And I said, I'm depressed. I said, I didn't get a part that I wanted. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, I was an actress, but now I'm a nurse. I'm a single mother. And I said, well, maybe I should be a nurse because I'm not getting any parts. And I'm devastated all the time. And I, and she said, what did you audition with? And I said, I auditioned with Joan of Arc. And um, she said, which one? I said, the Bernard Shaw one. And she said, oh, I love that monologue. And I said, well, would you like me to do it for you? And right there in the New York City bus, I started to recite my Joan of Arc monologue, which is very gutsy. And she's talking to her accusers and she says to, to them, you promised me my life, but you lied. You think that life is nothing but not being stone dead. You can send me to the basement. It's not that I'm afraid of living without water or without bread. What I'm afraid of is that I will lose the sight of the people I love and the larks in the trees. And so you burn me, burn me at the stake. And she's just emoting and saying to them, but the love of the people would never leave me. And I'm getting up on the bus and I finish my monologue and the whole bus applauds me. <laughs> and I walk up the bus, you know, and uh, and that Greek spirit, that Greek chutzpah took over and she holds my hand. And at this moment, I'll never forget. And she says, she had tears in her, she said, my dear girl, you are so talented. Go do your own thing. And I felt it was a message from God. I got off the bus. I went to my singing lesson that I was going to. And I sang, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. And I sang like I was Evita Peron on Broadway. <laughs> and my teacher said to me, Agapi, what happened to you? You are amazing. And I said, what happened to me? I happened to me. I said, Sandra, I'll never wait for anyone to hire me. I'm going to do my own thing. And I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat in my kitchen in Santa Barbara. I remember we were now moved to Santa Barbara. I said, God helped me find. And I said, I am going to do the goddesses. I'm going to write a one woman show. And I put all the monologues I love and the stories of the Greek goddesses. And I did a one woman show called Conversations with the Goddesses. And I played seven goddesses, not one, seven. I cast myself and I took the show everywhere. I took it to the Getty Museum and to the Met and to all over the country, to colleges. It just became a huge success. That's amazing. And that was from that moment in the bus, because at that moment, what do you think, Sandra and Giovanni, happened to me? I became unconditional. I said, I have a gift. I'll share it at the bus. That's what I tell people. You have a gift. Serve. Give it away. That's your joy. That's your spirit. Don't wait for someone to acknowledge you. Don't wait for someone to hire you. That's the key to life. The key to life is also having the courage that you had, right? Yes. You had by the courage at the moment. And a lot of people don't have it or they have it because everybody has the courage. But at one point it goes away. You can't find it, you know, and, and you did. You did find in that moment, the moment that, that you said, do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear the monologue? Yes. Courage is speaking, right? I can do this. And then your voice became louder and stronger. And the courage, you know, carried you out of the bus with, with the strength. 
And and that is what I think a lot of people need to trust and believe. I do have the courage. And also making the best of the situation you're in. Best of a situation yes. you're in. You know, my mother used to tell us a lot of Italian, old Italian sayings. One of them is, non tutti mali vengono per nuocere. It means that not all bad things that happen to you come to hurt you. Sometimes they come to help you. Oh, that's beautiful. No, tutti mali. Vengono per nuocere. Nuocere means hurt you. Vengo per nuocere. <laughs> I love that. I mean, and, and the way it is, like, your challenges come to shape you. So the message to our listeners, because we covered a lot of things to me, is what wherever you are going through, first of all, know there's nothing wrong with you because you're going through something. Often we judge ourselves when we're going through a challenge. This is all part of grist for the meal. This is all part of what's alchemizing you, making you into the goal. So use it and 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 use it to to awaken. And if you use it to awaken, you won't feel uh, victimized by it. That's what my mother taught us. The other thing is reach for help. I have another chapter in, in Wake Up to the Joy of You called Four magic words. Can you help me? Can you? I saw my mother ask for help all the time. My my daughter needs a teacher. Do you know anybody? Uh, we need to go to this place. How do we get there? Every every time we, I need, we need an amazing doctor. And by the way, let me give you all some advice about doctors. Only be with doctors who love you. And people say, but I but I but I but I only have Medicare and I don't take Medicare or the data insurance. Find the ones who care for you. I don't care uh, how many doctors you go see, but I have the cell number of all my doctors. I I text them. I had an apnea doctor the other day from Will Cornell. She was an angel. She was on the phone for one hour with me with no impatience. We walked through everything. She sent me the best machine. The people who sent me my machine check with me. And they said to me, are you happy with the machine? Please call us every week. Let us know how you're doing. That's what you want. And you hear the passion in me because I'm tired of people saying, I went to the doctor and I waited two hours and then they gave me this medication and the medica- and I can't get them on the phone. Right. If, if I leave you with one message now and Giovanni and Sandra, you feel the same way, don't you? Because I know the person who introduced me to to you said to me, what an amazing, caring, amazing man you are. And well, in order, the same thing. You need doctors who see Agape, who see you. Yeah. And, the time. and you say, well, they have 100 patients. I don't care. You are the one they have at that time, and that's what you need. Go to the dentist, to the hygienist, to the gynecologist, and if you don't like them, I've walked out of offices and said, I don't like the way I'm being treated here. I'm going somewhere else and I'm going to give you a bad review. And not only that, I stress to my office staff, especially the very first person the patient encounters, the fir- the person at the front desk, that they have to care for the patient. Exactly. The healing starts at that moment. If they have a bad encounter with the first person they meet, they don't heal. So that's what we that's what we theoretically are. We're healers. And right. we want the healing to to continue at every step of the process. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You said that the healing, that feeling that you want to give to someone, you do matter. 
Dante, you're walking into uh, the now in Greece, you know, the doctors come to our to your home, you know. And when my mother had my mother died of congestive heart failure. And when we had it what at UCLA, I remember I would go to her doctor, Dr. Maraguchi, and I would say, Dr. Maraguchi, can you please come see my mother? She's at home and she's not feeling well. She said, I copy. I'm in America. I'm not in Greece. I don't make house calls. <laughs> Well, that, that's where I learned how to be a doctor was with my father. My father was a family doctor and I was a little child and I would go with him to the homes of patients and he would spend hours and hours. He would learn and they they would heal. They would get better just being with him, talking to him. Just uh, so that's that's really, you know, I forget who said, you know, the purpose of the doctor is just to entertain the patient while the patient basically heals themselves and has nature heals himself. So this is very important. You're, you're very correct about this. The the healing and the love for the, whoever it is, it doesn't have to be a doctor, The whoever encounters a person that needs help is very important. And exactly, and the same thing with everybody around your home. Treat them, treat the people that work for you like family. You know, that's how we were raised, you know, when we, Eat, make sure you, they eat. You know, you just take care of each other. Take care of each other. That's the healing. That's the self-love. That's the love for another. It's not a narcissistic, oh, I love myself. It says, I love myself because that I am love and I share that love with others. And then you feel rich. That's beautiful. I mean, you know, that, 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 that's the Sicilian diet. That's the Greek diet. And now we would like to make it little by little the American diet. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> My mother hates fast food. Somebody said, Mrs. Ellie, you want to go get some fast food? She says, let me tell you, darling, there is nothing fast about food with me. <laughs> <laughs> so she used to have, her food was rituals. She would say, I'm now having my tea and my biscuits in England and sit down, relax. If you're busy, go away. But it was like, everything is a ritual. We forgot the ritual, Sandra and Giovanni. The rituals of life. Right. But what's one of the that's one of the reasons why Sandra and I wrote this book is because this is how we feel. You know, Sandra loves to cook and she spends hours. It's her meditation. Wow. She'll work all day long and and then cook for hours because she and we invite people over and we and sure. we and we share things with everybody we meet. And I think you know it's very much the Greek philosophy, the Italian philosophy. You know, this is uh, very much part of the community. And this dinner together. Yeah. Dinner <laughs> together. But very soon, I just really love you both. I think you are hearts of gold. And anything I can do for our listeners, I want to give you my email. It's agapi at unbindingtheheart, unbindingtheheart.com. I'll send you my guided meditations. There is so much to share. That's why I wrote all these books because I wanted to empower people to live a healthy life, to live a, a life of love, to live a life of where you can transform your um, your unhappiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have to respect all these, uh, you know, what we, what everybody calls the, the six pillars of uh, health, health span, longevity, and this always start with sleep. Sleep is the most important one right? because it is the structure where everything else can happen. If you 
don't have good sleep, you can't exercise. If you don't have good sleep, you don't have the energy to cook well or to eat well. If you don't have good sleep, you're emotionally dysregulated. You can't connect well with with the people that love you. You can't use your cognitive best self because you can't focus, you can't concentrate, you don't have enough stamina. So sleep is really the first pillar of all the other pillars. Nothing happens well unless you sleep well. Exactly. And and as as we say, my sister also has this quote. We have all have it on our desk. A good day starts the night before. Perfect. Right. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. How to have a good day? Start the night and start five minutes before disconnect. If you can't do half an hour, do five minutes, ten minutes. Take care of yourself. It's not theory, it's action. And every night, just write in your journal what you're grateful for, what worked well, what didn't work well, no judgments, what you would like more of the next day. Become a master of your life. Become a master of your life. You deserve it, and then you're really of service to humanity just by being you. If you master your energy, you can walk in a room change the vibration, change the frequency, and people come and say, I want to know you. Who are you? What do you do? How come you have such peace around you? I want more of that. And then you say, okay, come with me. I'll show you how to do it. And then you walk them. You know, I'm sure they come to you. You walk them step by step. But be a way shower for other people. The young generation needs us so badly, my friends. We need to be beacons of light. We need to. We need to for this. One all the a therapist that needed to share something <clears throat> about a patient, and in her answering service, instead of the end, I said, "And have a good day." She had and make today a good day. And make today a good day. Yes, yeah. make today a good day, an amazing day, because you are amazing. Thank you so much. If you are new to the show, welcome. And if you are returning, we are so grateful for your participation and support. We hope you go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to the show, leave feedback, write a review, or send questions. They love questions and look at every question that is submitted. The content of the Sicilian Secret Diet are meant for educational purposes only and are not meant to be a medical diagnosis or treatment advice. A doctor-patient relationship is not created and any questions related to your specific physical or mental health should be directed to your healthcare practitioner. So hello, and thank you for joining Sandra and Giovanni for another episode of the Sicilian Secret Diet Plan Podcast.